Find in your Bible John chapter 2. I begin a brand new series today entitled Miracles. We'll look at the miracles in the Gospel of John. I want to encourage you to be back over the next several weeks because there are seven sign miracles in the Gospel of John. And if you add the resurrection as a phenomenal, the ultimate, the greatest miracle, uh, what you'll discover is that John's Gospel points to the miracles of Jesus. And so we'll walk through several of these miracles in the Gospel of John you be here over the coming weeks, excited about this series. I want to ask you a question. Do you need a miracle in your life? Do you need a miracle in your life? This series will reveal to you that God is a God who is a miracle worker. Now, be careful. We don't order God to do miracles like we're sitting at a restaurant giving our order to a waiter or waitress. That's not the way it works. You don't call an 800 number on television to some televangelist and pay enough money to buy a miracle. That's not the way it works. But God is a God who is strong enough, great enough, mighty enough, and loves you enough. He can do a miracle in your life. A man wrote a book one time, a very religious man wrote a book. He had a son that was very sick. He prayed for his son to be healed, and his son never got any better. The man wrote the book and said, well, the truth is this, either God is all-powerful and He can heal, but He chooses not to, so He's not all-loving. Or God is all-loving and He cares for us and He wants us to be healed, but He doesn't have the power to do it, so He's not all-powerful. His conclusion was God either has to be all-loving or He has to be all-powerful, He just can't be both. I want you to know today, maybe you've doubted the power or the love of God. Maybe you've doubted His strength or His concern for your life. Listen to me carefully. Don't ever doubt that God loves you and cares for you. Don't ever doubt that He's a miracle-working God. Don't ever doubt His care and concern for you. He proved that on the cross. Don't ever doubt His power and strength. The Creator of the universe has the strength to do anything He so desires to do. Listen to me carefully. Don't doubt that our God is a miracle-working God. I believe in miracles because I believe in God. I believe that God created the universe. He made everything that there is so it all belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. He can do whatever He wants to do. And Here's what a miracle is. A miracle is simply God doing what He chooses to do with His own universe. That's what a miracle is. You say, Pastor, what about the laws of nature? What about the laws of nature? Miracles are supposed to defy the laws of nature. Well, I tell you this, there really are no laws of nature. There are only God's laws that nature obeys. You see, we we deal with the laws of nature. We deal with gravity all the time. We deal with our universe. But God is supernatural. That means He's above nature. The one who created everything that is, is above everything that exists. And so God can work in supernatural and amazing, incredible ways. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14 says this, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The question is phrased in this way. It's a rhetorical question that demands the answer, no, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Look at your life. Look at the problems you face, the issues that you've encountered. Somebody here today needs this verse. There's nothing that you're facing today that is too hard for God to deal with. Now, we face all sorts of things that we can't handle, but nothing you encounter, nothing you face is too hard 
for God to handle. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. When you look at your situation and circumstance, you may think it's impossible, but when you add God to the equation, nothing is impossible. He is a miracle-working God. So if you're here today, you must believe in Jesus as you celebrate Easter, as you celebrate the resurrection. And if you believe in Jesus, you must believe in miracles. And the truth is there's nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with me that a miracle won't cure. There's nothing we face in life, all the problems and issues that a miracle won't fix. The Gospel of John shows us miracles of Jesus. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in their Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They focus on the ministry and the humanity of Jesus. And it's very important for us to see and understand that. But John's gospel is a very different gospel. John wrote in order for people to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He's a miracle worker, and that He is God the Son. John wrote so that we might believe in the deity of Jesus. John shows skeptics that Jesus is the real deal. There was a missionary who was uh, sharing the gospel with a man. He began to share the gospel with a man. The man said, look, I don't care anything about God. I don't care anything about Jesus. All I care about is smoking marijuana. That's all I care about. This man was addicted to marijuana. The missionary said, look, I've got a New Testament right here. Let me give you this New Testament. He said, I don't want that New Testament. Look, this is the Bible. Let me give you the New Testament. I just want you to have this New Testament. I want you to read it. He said, if you give me that New Testament, I'm going to rip every single page out. I'm going to roll up every single page, and I'm going to smoke it as a joint. That's what the man said to the missionary. The missionary said, well, look, I'm going to give you this Bible on one condition. Before you smoke it, read it. Before you smoke it, read it. Several years later, this missionary encountered the man again, and that man was radically changed, fundamentally different. Everything about him was different. The missionary said, hey, what happened to you? He said, man, I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke, but John smoked me. (laughs) The gospel of John is there to show skeptics that Jesus is the real deal, that he is who he says he is, that he is a miracle-working God. When I talk to people who struggle sometimes with belief in Jesus Christ or brand-new Christians, I tell them, just begin reading the Gospel of John and pray something very simple. Jesus, reveal yourself to me and show me the truth. You'll be amazed as you walk through the Gospel of John, all that you learn and discover. The Gospel of John is a powerful book, and the purpose of the Gospel of John is found in John 20, 31. Here's what he says. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John says, the reason I wrote is so you believe in Jesus, and believing, you will have life in his name. John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. We see here the greatest miracle of all. The greatest miracle of all in John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Begin reading with me. So the Jews said to him, what sign? You might want to circle that word sign in your Bible. It's the same word in the New Testament for miracle. What sign, what miracle do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? You've got to be crazy. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he'd said this. 
And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Remember, there's power in the word. The word of God has the power to change you and to transform you. The word of God shows you the truth of Jesus Christ who can work a miracle in your life. Two major things this morning. First of all, I want you to notice that Jesus performed undeniable miracles. Jesus performed undeniable miracles. The Gospel of John records the miracles, seven undeniable miracles of Jesus. Even those that were in his presence and opposed to his work acknowledged the existence of these miracles. Even those that hated Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, even those who hated Jesus and wanted to see him dead, never disputed the miracles that he performed. Jesus performed undeniable miracles. And the Gospel of John shows us so many of these miracles. Miracles also called signs in the New Testament. Look what John said. Now, how many miracles did Jesus perform? Did he just perform seven? Well, no, the Gospels record 36 miracles of Jesus. But is that all? Well, that's not all either because John says in his Gospel that Jesus did other miracles. And in John 20, 30, this is what John said. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. John 21, 25. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. John's saying, I didn't record everything Jesus said or did. If I recorded everything that Jesus did, the world couldn't hold all the books of the ministry and the miracles of Jesus. These signs, these miracles show us that Jesus was more than just a man, that he was God. What does Nicodemus say in John chapter 3? Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, We know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs. No one can do these miracles that you do unless God is with him. The miracles got people's attention. But let me be clear. Jesus never performed miracles as a show to entertain people. Jesus always performed miracles to meet a need and to point to a greater truth. Why seven miracles in the Gospel of John? Because seven is the number of completeness. Seven is the number of wholeness. If you're here today and you're apart from Jesus Christ, inside of you there's something missing. Only Jesus, only God can make you whole. Only God can make you complete. What are the miracles in John? Well, in John chapter 2, Jesus turns the water into wine. Proves that he is Lord over nature. In John 4, Jesus heals the official's son. Jesus is Lord of life. And we can have that life on the condition of faith. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Jesus is the restorer of lost power. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds a multitude of 5,000 men with their women and children there that day. Jesus is the food by which we live. In John chapter 6, Jesus walks on the water and calms a storm. No matter what storm in life you face, no matter what problems or issues, Jesus can speak peace into your most difficult circumstances. In John 9, Jesus heals a blind man, revealing that Jesus is our light. Our eyes are opened when we experience His amazing grace and love. And in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is the Lord of life and gives eternal life. These miracles were visible. Everybody saw the miracles of Jesus. They weren't done in private. Today, if these miracles were performed, you can, you can bet that all the network news is Fox News would be there with their cameras and Shepard Smith on the scene, wanting to watch Jesus perform these miracles. But these miracles were also purposeful. Jesus did these miracles to meet a human need. 
What do you need most when you're blind? What do you need most when you're lame? What do you need when you're hungry? What do you need when you're sick, when, you're, when your child has died or your brother or sister's passed away? What do you want? You want Jesus. You want God to do a great work. So to the, to the blind, He gave sight. To the lame, He gave strength. To the hungry, He gave food. To the dead, He gave life. Jesus performed all these miracles, but they point to a greater need in all of our lives. If Jesus has the power to heal physically, He has the power to heal spiritually which is the miracle that all of us need. We need Him to heal us spiritually. And the Bible tells us that Jesus did these miracles that were undeniable. He did them to meet needs, but He did them to show our greatest need. And our greatest need is for Him to come in and transform our lives. There were some incredible miracles Jesus did, but that all these miracles I listed are not the greatest miracle. What is the greatest miracle of all? The greatest miracle of all is that three days after His death upon the cross, Jesus Christ rose in victory, conquering death, hell, the grave, and all of His enemies showing He has the power over life and death and can give life to all those who are dead in trespasses and sins. That is the miracle of Easter. That is what we celebrate today, that Jesus is alive. Amen. The Bible tells us Jesus performed undeniable miracles. And here in John chapter 2, Jesus predicted the ultimate miracle. Jesus predicted the ultimate miracle. Look at verse 19 again. Jesus answered the Jews and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Well, that's strange. What's he talking about? In order to understand what the Scripture is saying, you need to move back a few verses and look at the context. The context is very important. What had Jesus just done? Maybe you've heard the story. Jesus walked into the temple one day and there were money changers there. There were the religious leaders there. And the temple had become a place of commerce, a place of business. It had become a place for the religious leaders to rip off the people. And Jesus got angry about that. And he walked in and began to turn the tables over and, 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 and push everybody out, run everybody out of the temple. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, can you imagine a situation, a circumstance like that? Could you imagine Jesus doing something like that? He did. And, and then the Jewish leaders came to him and said, what sign do you give us that shows you have authority to do what you just did? What, what is it about you that you think you can walk into our temple and turn over tables, cause chaos, and drive us out of the temple. What in the world? Who do you think you are? What sign do you give us? In other words, prove that you're God, that you have the authority to do this. And Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign. Jesus doesn't, uh, doesn't do miracles on order. He said, I'm not going to give you a sign. You want a sign? Here's the sign. Listen to what he says, verse 19. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Now the Jewish leaders thought, what's he talking about? They looked around at their gorgeous temple and they said, it took us 46 years to build this place. You think you're going to destroy it and, and build it again in three days? You've got to be crazy. But they didn't know. And the Bible tells us Jesus wasn't talking about the temple. He was talking about his body. And the Bible says that in the next couple of verses. Destroy this temple. That's a prophecy. He predicted his crucifixion. He will die. And I will raise it up in three days. He predicted his resurrection. He will raise himself from the grave according to his own power, according to his own might. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. John chapter 20 
and verses 1 to 8. You might want to turn there briefly. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. Keep your finger there in John chapter 2. But in John chapter 20, Jesus is risen from the dead. The great and miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 20 verse 1, now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to get Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's the apostle John who wrote this. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus, on his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up and placed by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. Do you see that last phrase there in verse 8? This records the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in verse 8, the Bible says that John the Apostle and Peter saw and believed. The ultimate miracle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a sign. It is a validation that Jesus is real, that Jesus lives, that He is the Son of God, that He is alive today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ultimate miracle. Listen carefully. There are four major religions in the world. Four major religions. Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Each of these religions rests on one historical figure. Buddha, Muhammad, Abraham, and Jesus Christ. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, it is occupied. If you go to the tomb of Muhammad, it is occupied. If you go to the tomb of Abraham, it is occupied. But above the tomb of Jesus Christ, it says, He is not here. He is risen. Jesus Christ is alive. The resurrection validates that reality that Christ's sacrifice upon the cross was accepted before a holy God and he now offers hope and salvation. So what does this mean personally to me and to you today? And we're almost finished. What does this mean personally? First of all, it means this. Our past can be forgiven. Our past can be forgiven. Now right now, many of you are watching me on these screens. Can you imagine what it would be like this morning if we turned these screens on and all your mistakes and all your failures, all your sin, all the things you're ashamed of were broadcast on this screen. Can you imagine what that would feel like? Oh, man. I can't imagine if you saw all my mess-ups and all my sins and all my failures. I can't imagine what that would look like. But I want you to imagine everything that you would see on that screen can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. Everything. Jesus Christ, His resurrection proves that He can forgive sins. Our past can be forgiven. How is the resurrection connected to the forgiveness of sins? Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says this. He was delivered up, that's the crucifixion, for our trespasses, for our sins. He was raised, the resurrection, for our justification. If in Jerusalem that day, the only thing that happened was that Jesus Christ died, we couldn't be saved today. If the only thing that happened was that Christ died on the cross, we couldn't know God today. 
The Bible says that Jesus was crucified for our sins. He was risen for our justification so that we might be made right before God. And his crucifixion is followed by his resurrection that proves God accepted the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so that we can be forgiven, cleansed, justified, made righteous in the sight of a holy God. When Christ was raised, it was like God's stamp of approval. I accept this offering for the debt of sin. Now, how many of you go around and worry about a debt that you paid off years ago? Anybody worried about the debt that you've paid off years ago? We don't worry about the debt that's already been paid. We worry about the debt that we owe now. Listen to me carefully. Jesus Christ paid your debt on the cross. And when you come to him, you are telling him, I want you to pay my debt of sin on the ledger where it says, this is what I owe. Pay my debt of sin. And on the ledger that says, I have no righteousness, give me your righteousness. That's what God can do for you through Jesus Christ. Our past can be forgiven. Not only that, but our present. Our present can have meaning. Our present can have meaning. The miracle of the resurrection is not just a historical fact. The miracle of the resurrection has present tense ramifications today. Your life ought to be different now because Jesus rose from the dead over 2,000 years ago. We ought to be changed and transformed. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Jesus offers life and hope today, right now in this moment. And we can know him you see, our past can be forgiven, our present can have meaning, but that doesn't happen automatically. You must come to the cross in repentance and faith, trusting in His work on the cross, trusting Him as Lord and Savior. Now think about this. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, lives in me. There's an old song that says, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I know he lives. The power of the resurrection can rest inside of you. You can know him. Some of you come to church today and you think, I need a change. I need a new job. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need a new outlook on life. I need a new spouse. Some of you come and you say, I need a change. But what you need most is for Jesus to change you. He can change you today through his resurrection power. Your past can be forgiven. Your present can have meaning. And lastly, our future can be without fear. Our future can be without fear. As we look at the world and all the chaos and confusion, the craziness around us, as we look at our country in Washington and the chaos and confusion and craziness, it is very, very easy to be afraid. It's easy to fear the future I wonder and worry at times what life will be like when my children are my age. What kind of world will they inherit? It is easy to be fearful, but listen to me carefully. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the validation of Christ's sacrifice upon the cross, the promise of Jesus that He will return, that He will set all things right, that He will make all things new, that He will reign and we will reign victoriously with Him. You can take it to the bank. Our future can be without fear because Christ is victorious. We have a reason. Not to fear, but to hope. 
our future can be without fear. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the promises of God stand tall and are sure. The story is told of a little girl who was tragically injured in a car accident. She survived, but uh, as a result of the accident, her face was permanently disfigured. As you can imagine, kids can be so cruel sometimes. All the kids would ever do, they would tease her. They'd call her names. They'd insult her to her face and behind her back. One day the teacher was doing a hearing test, and in those days they would, they would set up a screen between the teacher's desk and where the kids would stand. The teacher would pe- repeat a phrase, and the children would just simply need to repeat that phrase back, and they would pass the hearing test. So one by one the kids would come up, and the teacher would say real simple things like, uh, the cow says moo, and the kid would have to say, the cow says moo. Uh, the grass is green, they'd have to say, the grass is green. The sky is blue, they'd have to say the sky is blue. This little girl was last in line and all she could hear the whole time waiting to go do her hearing test was the insults and the jeers and the jokes of her peers. As you can imagine, she was heartbroken. She was without hope. Finally, her time came and she stood behind the the little screen between the teacher's desk and where she was supposed to stand. And the teacher said something that day that changed her life forever. The teacher didn't say the the grass is green. The teacher didn't say the cow says moo. The teacher didn't say the sky is blue. The teacher said this. I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. Years later, that little girl said those words changed my life. I was depressed and discouraged and I was completely without hope. I had no friends. I had no future. But the very fact that I knew somebody wanted me made all the difference. I want you to know today that God is not whispering. God is shouting. At the cross, He has said, I want you I want to take your messed up life. I want to take your shameful past. I want to take your broken marriage. I want to take all of your struggles and problems. I want you come to the cross trusting in Jesus where it's all cleansed. It's all forgiven. And we are granted resurrection power that lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit of God and the person of Jesus Christ. The cross proclaims, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And the resurrection promises there's nothing that you face that Jesus can't fix. He can heal. John says these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And by believing, you might have life in his name.